Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. My name is Wes Tolleson. I am one-third of your hosting crew. I am joined today by my friends Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder. Guys, say what's up. Hello, hello. How's it going? How's it going? And basically, you've probably heard about this podcast through Texas Private School Football Guy. We are branching off of him, and we all got put into contact, and we decided that we're all very passionate about this uh, private school football, something that we all have a common interest in. And we figure that there's a very limited amount of content that is being produced for private school football. And we figured we could add to that and give these kids more recognition that they deserve. But we're going to start off with the quick introduction. We're each going to say basically who we are, what high school we went to, and what connection we have to TAPS high school sports. So as for me, like I mentioned, my name is Wes Tolleson. I graduated from Grace Community School in Tyler, uh, Division, TAPS Division II school in 2019, and I played football and ran track. And, you know, I sports have always been something that has played a very big role in my life and something that I've enjoyed a lot. And I really want to see private school kids get more exposure because I think there's a plethora of talented athletes that come out of private schools that just don't get the recognition that they should. But Walker, I'll hand it off to you to introduce who you are. So, yeah, my name is Walker Lott. Uh, I went to Fort Worth Southwest Christian. I graduated in 2019. Uh, I currently go to A&M, but uh, I played football all my four years and all my life, basically, at Southwest Christian. Uh, I got recruited to go play collegiate football, but I decided to stay and go to the dream college my parents went to. And uh I, I've stayed into sports and I love sports all my life. It's what I'm passionate about and uh, it's what I'm wanting to do with my future. And I think this is like them. They've all been passionate about private school football and I've kept up with it since out of high school and I'm very excited to do this. So, yeah. Sounds good, Ryan. Uh, my name is Ryan Schroeder. I went to Legacy Christian Academy, Frisco Legacy. Um, I graduated this spring, uh, so spring of 2020. And while in high school, I played uh, soccer and basketball, but I've always loved football. Um, I may have never played football my entire life, but I've always loved football. Um, I have been probably one of the guy that knew the most about like, you know, Lacey sports while I was all there, there all four years of my, uh, all four years of high school. And I enjoyed my experience there, but I would say that, you know, um, now as a sports media major at Oklahoma state, um, I, uh, I think I'm still trying to live that legacy on at least, you know, at least live that legacy on at OSU now. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, for sure. I forgot to mention, I'm also uh, a college student at Texas A&M university. And I'd like to mention that both Walker and Ryan are both very talented at what they do. And they're both looking into things, into journalism and sports media. I'm simply a kid that started a podcast in an accounting class that I was bored in. So I might be a little bit uh, less than them, but we'll, you can be the judge of that as time goes on. But I think we've given enough introduction into what we are, and we're going to start off this episode by looking at games this past week, taps D1 through D4, and pick games that are interesting and give a little bit of commentary on them. So as for Division One, we have four games picked out. Fort Worth All Saints beat Liberty Christian 44-17. to uh, Parrish beat Prestonwood 44 to 24. Nolan beat JP2 32 to 17. And Midland beat St. Thomas 21 to 7. So, Walker, is there anything that you think sticks out particularly from these games out of D1? 
I, I just think it was it was a, it was a big victory for All Saints over Liberty, forty-four to seventeen. I think it was Liberty is not is a talented squad led by a Mississippi State quarterback in Daniel Greek. I think they're in a, a lot of offers for their twenty twenty-two DB Christian Driver. I think that's a talented lineup over there, and All Saints just demolished him. If you looking at the highlights from the game, it was just they no one could stop that running attack, and then Hamp Fay, the quarterback, going to Michigan State. He was dominant all over the field, passing it over. Tony Lacey, I believe, had two touchdowns or one or two on the night. So it was just a big win for them, and it's going to be a very big matchup next week, uh, this upcoming week for All Saints. And then Nolan over John Paul. I mean, the craziness of John Paul going from almost state champions to where they are now is, is the biggest downfall in a year. They, of course, had a lot of people transfer out, and Grayson James, their quarterback, going to Duncanville, and then uh, Duran Bradley, I believe, the Texas Tech wide receiver commit, uh, he went to DeSoto. So their star players all left John Paul this year, but, I mean, it, it's still a big downfall for them. But Nolan just steamrolled them as usual, and uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how far Nolan can do with, in the past couple of years, Nolan hasn't really done well in the playoffs, so... Yeah, no, 100%. I agree with all of that. Ryan, does anything stick out to you here particularly? Um, obviously, you know, that fourth All Saints game, you look at that game and you go, uh, Hampton Fay, you had four touchdowns, right? But um, what I think is one of the biggest things to look at of, um, is the, no, the non Catholic win uh, over JV2. I know we're just, you just mentioned the JV2 downfall, but I would like to give props to that non Catholic team. I mean, the team, the defense, uh, that the defense caused a safety and four turnovers. Like that's that's outstanding. Also, all four of them were fumbles too. So I mean, this team, you know, obviously plays hard. They play tough. I mean, if they're forcing four fumbles, they're definitely playing tough. Um, so you know, I, I think overall, that's that uh, they're just a strong defensive team. And I think if you look forward to the rest of the playoff bracket, it's hard to play, especially in especially in Tabs private school football. It's hard to play tough defenses like that who cause turnovers. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. Were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, the other two games of Parish and Prestonwood. You know, Parish Parish looks as dominant as they were the last year, being state champions, and it's going to be see, it's going to be very interesting to see how close this All Saints game is going to be and see if All Saints can give them any trouble again or is it is it going to be another Parrish-dominant uh, game? So, 100%. I would be, for one, surprised if we don't see a Parrish-Nolan Catholic championship game out of D1. However, you never know. That Midland team is incredibly scrappy, and we'll touch more on future matchups as we go along. However, now we're going to move into Division Two, and this is kind of a special – segment for us because we're going to be highlighting three games in each of these three games from schools we graduated from. So first, the scores were Fort Worth Christian beat Grace Community 30 to 20, Fort Worth Southwest beat McKinney Christian 36 to 18, and Dallas Christian beat Legacy Christian 59 to 14. And I'll start by looking at Fort Worth Christian over Grace Community. This is a game I actually got the opportunity to go back and help coach as I did graduate from Grace, like I mentioned and it was a game that sadly I predicted Grace to win last week because very simply Fort Worth was like two and four going into the playoffs and they were a team, they lost to Brook Hill, a team that Grace beat by like 30 or 35. So, you know, I didn't have much confidence in Fort Worth going to this game. However, the more I looked into them, the more I realized how talented uh, quarterback Carson Cross and running back Jackson Coburn were and, you know, when the game got started, 
it was Fort Worth's defense that ironically um, controlled the game. Grace had a very, very tough time throwing the ball on them. And Fort Worth just, they had, their offense was good enough to keep Grace, um, to keep Grace out of reach. So this, um, this outing from Fort Worth really, really impressed me. You know, Grace, uh, running back Brooks Bays tried as hard as he could to keep Grace in the game. However, as time went on, uh, it wasn't an option for Grace to run anymore as the clock was against them. And Fort Worth Christian, like I said, eventually pulled out a 30 to 20 win. But, you know, I don't think I'm going to be betting it's Fort Worth again as the playoffs go on until I meet someone like DC. But is there anything that sticks out to either of y'all from this game? I mean, Carson, I was going to say Carson Cross, obviously, you know, threw for over 300 yards, right? You know, threw for over 300 yards, had three touchdowns. And his main, and his main guy he threw to was uh, Jacob Trimble. Um, I mean, it's just impressive when you see any receiver with 162 receiving yards and, you know, two touchdowns. But I think that combo right there, those two guys together, um, as you go deeper into playoffs, I think, you know, there'll be, there'll be something to look at for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Fort Worth Christian has, you know, started off sluggish at the very beginning, but over the season, they've really got into their groove and you see the past few weeks and it's, it's, it just shows how much they're now playing as a team. And it's, it's really influential to how they're going to go into the rest of the playoffs and especially against Southwest Christian next week. Yeah. And it was something that was mentioned before the game is that everyone realized Fort Worth Christian is a much, much different team than they were week one and week two of the season. So it's a team that I mentioned was a dark horse to make the final four out of the North region. And it's, it's a call that I'm sticking to as of now. However, that's enough on that game. We will now move into Fort Worth Southwest Christian against McKinney Christian. And Walker, I think this game's a little closer to your home. So let's see what you think about that. So SES has changed a lot over the years, especially since I have left. And they've changed their offense completely since when I've been there. And I think it's for the better. And you can see it in the results they have in their schedule. They're now officially running the, like this triple option offense, which is they never have really seen before at SES. It was just really interesting to see how differently he's changed. They brought a new offensive coordinator and he's changed it up. And last year they had a, a really good running back in Miles Nash. And now they have Corey Harris. And you see that running game be the centerfold of this offense for Southwest Christian. And that's the reason they've been able to be the district champions of this district this year. And it just, it was shown in this McKinney Christian matchup of winning 36 to 18. And uh, I had the pleasure of watching that game on the computer before I went to the LSU game for A&M this past Saturday. And uh, McKinney Christian had a great idea of how to go in. I would say they were full air raid. They would just pass the ball all over the field. And it was just really fun to see because, you know, it's like the Mike Leach of taps basically over there at McKinney Christian. But the problem is when it doesn't work, like you see at Mississippi State, it doesn't work all the time. And, you know, they threw multiple picks. I want to say three or four in the game. And, you know, they when you have a turnover margin that big, it just it doesn't work. And that's and then with Southwest Christian just going on that and using that to their advantage, it was it was going to be like the way in the end. Uh, their defense played solid. Southwest Christian, their running game is good. Tyson Flowers, the quarterback also safety for them. It was, it was really good. It's exciting to see my team really going over the hump and making it to the regional round. Yeah, hundred percent. I definitely think that Southwest has a good chance to make a push into the playoffs. Ryan, is there anything that you wanted to say over this game? 
I think I think he can nail it right on the head. Um, I think Fort Worth Southwest, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a good team, and I'll and I'll obviously uh, when they played us, uh, that was the other game I actually got to saw this year. I only got to see a couple of legacy games uh, this year, and yeah, I was impressed by Fort Worth Southwest, and um, it's good to see that they're you know they're jumping over the jumping <laughs> jumping over the hump to make it to the next round. Yeah, hundred percent. I named Southwest Christian as one of my contenders out of the. Um out of the north side of the bracket. And they look like they're living up to that right now. I did say that McKinney game was a potential trap game for them because I've been saying forever they were a much better team than people realized. But, you know, when the air raid doesn't work, it's really, really off. And that seems like that's kind of what happened. But moving into the next game, and the final game we'll cover out of Taps Division Two, we had Dallas Christian Steamroll Legacy Christian fifty nine to fourteen. I'm sorry about that, Ryan, but listen, that's what they that's what they've done to everyone this year. And you know, it's not it's not that surprising. I expect every score from the DC games to be like this moving on. But Ryan, you have any specific thoughts from this game? Yeah, so I I I took the drive down to Mesquite, and I uh, I went to go I went to go to that game. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm super impressed. I mean, obviously I, I love, I would love to, you know, hype my team up and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm being honest, I almost want to say, I-, I love how DC played. I think TJ King is one of the most impressive people to watch, you know, in the, in taps D2. I mean, he had two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns and I, with the combined like 200 yards. And so I think that is super impressive on its own. Um, but then also, I think Sean Coleman, another player for them that had five rushes in 86 yards and a touchdown. I, th- I think overall, just that offense is so insanely um, powerful and they, they, they play like, you know, they play like every game's their last, essentially. And I love, I think that's great. I will say the thing about both these teams, which is going to be something that they're going to have to fix in the next couple of years, or like they're, they're going to have to like reap the, reap the, you know, uh, consequences of what's called of of this year is the seniors there are both these teams are losing a crazy amount of seniors and i think that's something that they're gonna have to you know put it through their program now going into legacy um major griffith quarterback uh was the quarterback his junior and senior year is the quarterback last year when i was there um you know i've loved watching him play uh throughout the years but i would say the big thing that legacy's gonna lose is the o-line and i think that's something that's gonna you know it's gonna hurt them because um, they're going to lose Tyler Wood and Clayton Coyer, who are two insanely good linemen that are going to go play college ball. They have a couple of small, uh, small school offers, but, you know, just offers that are going to get them that are going to get them down the road. I'm, I, I'm really excited for those two guys. They've, they've worked really hard. Um, so, but I think uh, Lacey's biggest loss is probably going to be Trey Purdue. Trey Purdue was the main man. He was the skill position guy that's been around for three plus years at this point. Right. He's the guy that's been playing varsity since he was a freshman and, with 863 yards and 11 total touchdowns on the year, that's a loss that you know is going to be hard to make up. You already lost AJ Asili last year to get a, to get a, a you know a Frisco Public School, and so now you know you're trying to you're trying to fix that issue. But I think I think Lacey will try to you know try to fix those holes that they have, and hopefully you know go, go back to being a successful team. So, yeah, I completely agree. One thing I'll touch on is you mentioned that um. 
it's always it's going to be interesting to see how these teams reload as they lose so many seniors. That's the thing with DC. They lose seniors like this every single year, but they recruit so well from the Metroplex that they always reload. And listen, I'm not going to pretend. I understand it's a hot button issue sometimes in taps, but I'm not going to pretend that recruiting doesn't happen. And DC does it very well, and they're in a prime spot to do it in the Metroplex. You look, Sean Coleman, that's one of the guys that they got this year. He wasn't at DC last year, and he's just tearing it up for them. Uh, I think he far and away is the best player on that DC team. And I think he's making a case for um, TAPS D2 player of the year. But uh, Walker, do you have any thoughts on this game? No, I, I just remember when I was playing, Dallas Christian was dominant, dom, dominant back then. And they're still dominant now, no matter what year it is. And it's, it's very interesting to see, even though legacy was on the up and up. And I really thought legacy was going to be like this, this, like that this year. And it, it's this the trend of DC just keeps going and it's, it ain't stopping anytime soon. The analogy I like to use is they look like a rolling ball of chainsaws. Anything that gets in their way just gets completely obliterated. <laughs> Brian, just out of curiosity, how was the uh, how was the atmosphere at that game? Because I know when Grace and uh, when Grace and DC played at DC, it got really really chippy really fast, and there was a lot of jawing back and forth. So. So, yeah, I think part of the part of the great thing about Coach Scott Smith is I love how he disciplines these kids. Um, I love how uh, I love how he does with the lazy kids. I think he, I think a lot of kids have learned over time that, you know, I, I hate to say it because that's a horrible thing to say. But I, I think some players do come into the game going, this is Dallas Christian and, and that this is this is the team that is like so hard to beat by everybody else. How are we going to do it? And, you know, and I think part of that was kind of the reason why they didn't get so chippy with them. Um, it was a mutual respect throughout the game. But Dallas Christian is so good. I think the overall atmosphere, it was it was cold, another cold <laughs> night. And, you know, and now we're heading into December. Um, so yeah, overall, I think, I think, you know, just, you got to look at it from the fact that some of these legacy, even parents and all that kind of stuff are just being like, all right, come on, Alex. let's just, <laughs> let's, let's get it. Let's get it roll. You know, let's just roll the game and we'll see what happens. And then 49, nothing hits at halftime. And you're like, all right. Ooh. Yeah, that, that seems like it's going to be the feeling that every team playing D.C. from here on out is going to get. Maybe with the exception of Regents, but we'll get into that as we move on. Yeah. But that actually wraps up all the D2 analysis we have. We'll go into some quick snapshots of D3 games that happened. Uh, the Woodland Legacy uh, edged Westbury Christian 31-27. to And some big news here, number four seed Trinity Christian Lubbock uh, edged the state favorite and the heavy state favorite, Pantigo Christian, 14 to 13. So that kind of knocks that Division III um, championship wide open with Pantigo Christian out. And it's going to be really interesting to see what team's going to swoop in and snag that. So do you all have any comments uh, regarding the Division III status as of now? I think, I think from what I see um... – on a covenant, a covenant Christian platform. Uh, and I was just going to bring this up too. Uh, the other game that I wanted to touch on was Colleyville covenant. They, they beat Trinity Christian will park. I mean, you got to figure out which Trinity Christian you're talking about <laughs> at this point. There's so many of them, but yeah. Trinity Christian will park, uh, you know, they, they steamrolled them essentially. And I, I think Austin sheets as their quarterback with four touchdowns and almost 300 yards passing, I, I overall think that, you know, Colleyville Covenant is one you need to look out for. Now that this is blown wide open, like you said, you got to look out for a team like Covenant Christian because any team that puts up that kind of yardage as a quarterback, it's a threat. That's a threat, right? So, 
Um, but yeah, I think Trinity Christian Lubbock, you got to look at them now. I mean, they look, they look scary too. They just beat the, the state, <laughs> they just beat the state favorite. Like, you know, like you, you know, that it's going to be a good game now coming up it, from this team after they have already shown that they could beat the number one team. Right. So. Walker, you have anything? I mean, it's, it's always crazy when the upset happens. And I think that was crazy seeing Lubbock do that. And I think a lot of the other games in that thing, uh, Lake Country Christian won 46 to nothing. So that was another big time one in that uh, that round. And it's going to be seen because they always were so close in the past couple of years, Lake Country Christian. It's going to be interesting to see if they have any shot at going back to what they uh, want to be at. So, Yeah, 100% agree. So, like I said, that Division Three is now wide open. And we'll see what team sneaks in and takes it. And I'll be really excited to watch that. But now we're going to look at a recruiting segment. We're going to look at who's been blowing up um, and who is making these major teams radar. So I think this is something that's a little more in Walker's ballpark. So I'll let you take this from here. So we're going to talk about two big boys that have been uh, really been on the up and up lately. Is One of them is Remington Strickland. Uh, he goes to Fort Bend Christian in Sugarland. He is around 690 and 6'5", 290. And if you have never seen a photo of him, you will see him and you'll go, that's a high school kid because that man is insanely like buff. It, it's, it's ridiculous for most high school kids. And most high school kids don't even look even close to that. And him playing in division two football is also insane in taps. And it just shows also that, you know, you can find talent anywhere in taps and even not even the D one, but even D two. And I think he's been big and he's been blown up recently. Uh, he's had offers from Texas, OU, A&M, Michigan, uh, those are just to name a few. And uh, recently he's visited uh, OU, I think a week ago. And I think this past weekend he visited A&M. So uh, I think that's probably his top two. We don't even for sure know, but I know both schools would love to have him because the kid is insane. He's insane. If you go, if go watch his tape, his tape is, he just mauls people like nobody's business. It, it's, it's ridiculous. He's quick. He's agile. It's, it's insane. He's gifted beyond anyone I've seen in a while. The other one is Austin UK. I'm guessing that's how you say it from Parish Episcopal around on his bio on his Twitter it says 64266. So what is insane about him is he's been blowing up for the past month. Right? He was he was committed to Holy Cross for a long time before his senior year and I think I think he started getting offers in like no October, but since November he's gotten offers from USC, Penn State, Stanford and Florida State. It just like kid going from Holy Cross to those big power five offers is something you don't really see a lot. Another one that's in contention is of course, SMU because he of course plays with the parish Episcopal quarterback, Preston Stone that's committed to SMU. And I believe he he's their left tackle there for parish. And I think he wants him to be his left tackle with SMU as well. So. No, I completely agree with that. I really think that uh, that Stone would like to bring him from Parrish to SMU with them and kind of continue that dominance that Parrish has had um, throughout Division One. Ryan, do you have anything to add on these two guys? No, I mean, we looked at – I mean, uh, we were just talking a couple nights ago, and we looked at Remington Strickland, and we, I, I, we literally pulled up the photo of him, <laughs> like you said, and we look at this kid and we go, whoa, that's a big dude. And I was like – 
I think I think that's you know that's gonna be a cool thing to look at whether he chooses OU or AM. I think both are gonna be great routes for him. But uh, that's that's cool that you mentioned that uh, that bring bringing that little uh, left tackle and quarterback you know squad over to SMU that could be cool. I think that's something that you know uh, an SMU coach would value a lot, right? An SMU coach would value that and be like, that's great for our team. So I think also just on the recruiting side, you've seen SMU take a lot of the guys that are underrated guys in the state of Texas from like a recruiting mind, like that I really passionate about, they've been blowing up and wanting to take the best in-state talent, especially in the Metroplex. And they want to do that tremendously. And they've done it in taps and uh, Preston Stone and then Monte Dawson at, uh, at Fort Worth All Saints. Those are just two guys I I just know on top of my head. The SMU has really wanted to tap into the good players in Texas that are kind of underrated, but also, they're, of course, you know, in SMU, they're going to use them tremendously. So, Yeah, because it appears SMU is trying to rebrand themselves really as Dallas's team. And so as that continues, look more for SMU to really hone in on, obviously, UIL Metroplex kids, but especially TAPS Metroplex kids, too, and get that extra shine. And also, I want to mention in the, in the notes that Walker typed up, uh, we have Remington Strickland, 6'5", 290, and Buff. We have that specifically. The kid's not fat. He's like huge. So I just want to like emphasize that as much as I can. I remember like I went and saw him personally like a couple weeks ago and not like I'm 6'4", 270 around there. I went to see him and he makes me feel small. Like it, it's insane. Like the mo- the guy moves. It's, it's ridiculous. And Austin also does Austin from Parrish. He moves just as well. And you could tell why people were calling and, you know, getting all the offers that he is right now because he plays just as good. It's, it, they're both very dominant players in taps right now. Oh, 100%. You know, it's one thing to be that big and be that physically gifted. But when you have big guys that can move and have elite footwork, that's what sets you apart from everyone else. Absolutely. But I think that's all we have in the recruiting segment. Now we're going to jump into Players of the Week. And I'd like to mention that Texas Private School Players of the Week are sponsored by Coach James Burke with DFWHomesForCoaches.com. Coach Burke has been involved with Texas Private School football for over 20 years. And he would love to help you find your new home in DFW. Contact him at 972-467-0445 or on Twitter at Coach J. Burke. One more time, that is 972-467-0445 or on Twitter at Coach J. Burke. Thank you yet again to Coach James Burke for sponsoring the Players of the Week. And for the small school, we have 2021 San Antonio Holy Cross linebacker Anthony Rodriguez. Anthony posted 12 total tackles, five tackles for loss, one sack, one forced fumble, and one blocked punt for a touchdown on a 41 to nothing win versus NCHS. And um, for the big school, we had 2021 Austin Regents running back Trevor Tazak, who had 16 carries for 162 yards for three touchdowns, also adding seven catches for 90 yards with a touchdown in a 51 to six win versus St. Joseph's Brownsville. So what do y'all have to say first about um, small school number, uh, small school linebacker, Anthony Rodriguez? Just impressive. I feel like that's, that's impressive. I mean, look at that stat line. I don't even know how a defensive player does that all by himself. That some teams, some teams have that stat line. I mean, if it's, if it's a, if it's like a non, like, you know, if a team gets blown out, there are some defenses that have that stat line. I'm being dead serious. And I think that's kind of funny to look at him and go like, 
how does he have, you know, just the ability just to not only, you know, just get into the, get into the quarterback zone, but also clearly, you know, get into the quarterback zone, get into the punt zone and just make plays. I think that's really impressive, especially when you win 41 to nothing. That's super impressive as well because you had a great impact on your team as a defensive player. So big up to um, Mr. Anthony Rodriguez. I think sorry, sorry. Uh, so a stat line like that, like no matter where you play in Texas is impressive. And I, and I think that's just insane of what he did there. And I think any coach in the state of Texas would want a stat line like that for their players. So it's big time to him, man. A hundred percent. I full disclosure. I actually voted for Colleyville wide receiver, uh, Daniel Calabrese, who had nine receptions, 215 yards, and five touchdowns. And listen, that stat line's insane. And also, I'm a little bit biased. I played receiver in high school, so I kind of I got to show love to the other receivers and skill positions out there. But the man had 215 receiving yards and five touchdowns. That's also insane. So, you know, I'd be remiss if we moved on without mentioning him. But shout out Daniel Calabrese. That's a crazy game. But Looking at big school running back Trevor Tazak, y'all have anything to comment on there? Because that's also a heck of a stat line. I mean, he's he's sitting at 250 combined yards, 250 combined yards with the four touchdowns, with the 16 carries and seven catches. I I think that's just that is overall just one offensive player that will elevate your entire team. Like talk about one man running the 11 man show. That's it right there. I mean, that's, that was super impressive to see. Obviously they got the 51 to six win. And I think, uh, yeah, awesome regents. That's, that's the scary guy right there. That's a scary guy to, to play against. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, let's see if he can go do it against Fort Bend this week. And I hope like see if it, that dominant run can keep going. Yeah, that'll be an interesting matchup and one that we'll detail um, in a few minutes here. But moving on, we are now going to talk about the biggest surprises and downfalls in TAPS right now. So as of surprises, we actually have Midland Christian, who started off slow with losses to Nolan, Parrish, and JP2, all good teams in their own right, but they haven't lost a game since the end of October. And like I mentioned, this is a sneaky team, and a team that was in depth Taps Division Two only a few short years ago, but are now looking like real contenders here in Taps Division One. So, what do y'all think about Midland Christian, and why do you think they are at the place that they are as of now? I think Midland Christian's flipped the switch. If I'm being honest, they have literally turned into a whole different team. Um, I love. I've always loved their coaching out there. If I'm being honest, uh, we, we like used to schedule our um, we'd schedule one scrimmage against them every year and we'd switch off playing uh, um, when, when we went there and when they went to us. And I always thought that that was a great sk- scrimmage game to have because they always like showed that, you know, it always gave like a wake up call to our team because Midland Christian has just always been really good at, you know, at football. I don't think we ever won any of those scrimmages, by the way, um, but I think they're just a really great team, and I think they're, you're going to see why that they jump from D2 to T1 really quickly. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, like they've always been dominant since I've played there, and I remember my junior year I went and played them, and it was just going out to Midland, it's it's a task, and it's, it's a task for anybody. And, I mean, doing that out, like you got to respect it because, like always, I'm always, I always thought about it in high school, like, they have to go travel to people in the Metroplex. And that's a long drive on a bus to go then and play games and then go win games. I think that for anyone, that's a task. 
And you could just see that's just the grit of those Midland boys always year after year after year. I think it's just that toughness that always sets them over the edge and you got to respect it. So. Oh, a hundred percent. I, we also played them my junior year and we snuck into the playoffs and uh, our reward was a seven hour bus ride to Midland to just get bushwhacked and then a seven hour drive back. But that's just to say the culture they have down there at Midland Christian is very, very solid and established. And it really doesn't surprise me at all that it's taken this short of time for them to compete in division one. So, you know, good on them. Shout out Midland Christian. Hope that y'all do big things in the future. Uh, we now move on to another surprise, which is Fort Bend. Um, Walker, I think that you know more about this than I do. So how about you take this? Yeah, so Jordan Black, the head coach for there, has been a, he's just been getting this team ready to go. And, you know, just looking through the schedule, they've lost only uh, a few teams this year being 7-2, and two, only having one loss at home. And, you know, they're led by, you know, Remington Strickland that we just talked about before. And a guy that I was looking into is Zion Granville. I'm hoping I say that name right. He's 6'6", defensive end, and he just got offered by Illinois State. And, you know, that senior has been a big part for them. And, I mean, anyone 6'6", should be dominant at this level. And I think uh, the guys, you know, senior wide receiver Solomon Cole and then sophomore quarterback Brady Dever. I think those two other guys have just been really essential for this team. And you can see why they've been – as great as they are recently, you know, last, last week, they lost, they beat John, John Paul, the second 55 to seven. And it was a great win for them, but you know, what's going to be the huge test for them is Austin Regents this year, who has been out of the South. I mean, for the longest I can remember, they've been the winner out of the South for the past five years. I mean, it's, it's insane. And I think that's the team to beat as anyone like Cedar Hill was the last couple of years for the North. This is, that's the team to beat in the South. And hopefully, you know, I know those guys are going to be ready for Fort Bend to get ready for the Regents. So well, it's going to be a good game. And I think I'm actually going to go see Regents play Fort Bend this week. So I'm excited to go see that. No, a hundred percent. I, um, I picked, uh, Regents and Houston Second Baptist is my two contenders out of the South region in D2. However, Fort Bend Christian was one of my definite dark horses. And I think if anyone outside of Houston Second Baptist is going to give Regents a run for their money, it's going to be Fort Bend. So, you know, we'll see if they can upend Regents and kind of shake up things in the D2 bracket so far. Because outside of um, Outside of Fort Worth kind of upsetting Grace, there hasn't been a lot of – it's been mostly straight chalk out of there. So we'll see if this week brings anything different. Our next team is Cypress Christian, and I've actually went and watched Cypress Christian this year as they played Grace um, in one of their first games. I think it was Cypress Christian's first game, actually. And um, they're a D3 team, and they took Grace to the wire. Uh, so it's a team that I think – um, I think definitely has the potential to be very good. And Walker, I think that you also know more about this. So what do you think? So, yeah, just looking into him before this, you know, Chris Hogan, their head coach, this this is their first year under him. And so he left Grapevine Faith, state champion. Uh, his son, Deuce Hogan, that just went to play ball at Iowa, uh, he just left this year. So I think it was a transition after one son leaving, you know, it's time for that family to move on. And, you know, they have a, they have a younger brother who – I've just known throughout the years and he's a good guy. And uh, Chris Hogan's been a coach and getting to know him past couple of years, being friends with dues, Chris, Chris is a great coach and a great man. And I think that's why you see the result they have at Cypress Christian, you know, four and two, their first year at head coach and their district champs. And it just shows like, you know, under him, like 
I remember I was reading an article about like, he's told them this is where you can be. And this is your future. If you want to work and put it, that work into it. And I think he got those guys to buy in and you could see the results now. And so they have, what's going to be interesting to see is that they've had a second two round buy to get in the playoffs. So this is their first game really in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see, but they're led by sophomore quarterback Maxwell Landrum and also senior wide receiver, Josh story. And those two guys are going to be the guys, big guys for that team this upcoming week. So. Yeah, for sure. I had no idea that that was uh, Deuce Hogan's father that was coaching out there, but that makes a lot more sense because obviously they're not the most athletic and not the biggest. They were, surely significantly less athletic than grace but that makes sense why they took them to the wire because they were very very well coached ryan do you have anything to add regarding cypress christian i just know that deuce hogan's dad's a great coach i know that deuce hogan himself was a great athlete obviously he played in me and uh, uh me and walker's division um when i was uh when, when i was a senior in high school and stuff and so you know, obviously with, with Deuce, with Deuce and how he played, I always knew that, you know, you have to have someone, you know, that you look up to or someone that you've been coached by, you know, in order to play that well and have that mindset of just being, you know, the new Iowa quarterback. Right. So I think that's a great, why his dad's a great coach. And obviously you can see exactly why this team's going to play well is when, when you have a coach like um, Mr. Hogan, Mr. Coach Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at it, uh, the younger brother of Deuce is Zeke. I, I needed to say that, so shout out to him because I've known him over the years. So, yeah. yeah, of course. That actually wraps up all of the surprises we have. Now we move into some letdowns. Uh, out of the South District, uh, we look. We have uh, Bishop Lynch and Liberty. I saw that Bishop Lynch just got knocked out of the playoffs. So, yeah. Walker, do you have anything on Lynch and Liberty and how they've kind of fallen short this season? I mean, it's it's insane because you know we'll talk about it in a second, but also Bishop Dunn and Division Two moving from Division One, and I believe like eighteen or nineteen winning the state championship, and then losing and moving down to Division Two, and now losing like it, it's insane. All those Dallas schools have done, you know, Bishop Lynch not even close to how they used to be. I mean, it's 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 insane, and I think. I mean, a lot of it's, you know, a lot of those players moving out and going to public schools in Dallas. I think that's the biggest thing you see a lot recently. And you see a lot with John Paul. A lot of those Dallas schools have had that problem. Um, Liberty, Argyle Liberty. I mean, they've always had talent for the past couple of years, always have. And I mean, even when the past years, when they had Nick Starkle, who went to A&M for a couple of years, you know, so they've always had talent. And I think they've just never been able to get over the hump because the teams they play have always been just as talented. So. I mean, that South District in Division One is it's it's rough, but I mean, someone's always better than everyone else, so it's it is what it is. I mean, yeah, no, I completely agree. I'd like to touch on Dunn because Dunn obviously was every single year in competition for uh, the state championship. They uh, they produced Brian Williams, like the best defensive player, arguably in the country. He went to A and M. And then we saw last year after the districts realigned, I was looking from a Grace fan perspective. and I noticed that Bishop Dunn was moving into our district. And I was like, oh, sweet Lord, this, they're just going to be the new Trinity Christian. We're going to get bushwhacked. And I, you know, I started looking on max preps a couple weeks into the season, doing preps for another show. And I noticed that Bishop Dunn not only had lost their first three games, but gotten absolutely blown out. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. How could this happen? And it looks like after a little digging, they had a cut in certain funding. 
uh, their coach left and with their coach left almost all of their athletes. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense. It's just surprising. I don't think I have ever seen as sharp of a fall off with Bishop Dunn as I have with any other team. It's insane to me. And I don't know if this is something that Dunn ever fully recovers from, but it'll be interesting to see that moving on. Do y'all have any comments, anything more on Dunn? I mean, I think you're right. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see because when Salvas Christian were supposed to play them this year, I was like, okay, that, well, that's going to be a great test to see if how close they are. And then th- it was not even close. And I, it was insane to me seeing how far they've dropped off for only a two years ago. And I mean, they had talent always there and now it's not even the close. And I just, it's going to be interesting to see if they can, like you say, recover from this for the next couple of years. So. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Also another letdown is Pantigo Christian. And I just, I obviously, I didn't watch this game and I'm not sure how that they let, who was it that snuck up with them and beat them? It was a uh, uh, Trinity Christian Lovick. Trinity Christian Lubbock. And that's just, that's a shock to me. I mean, like I said, you have to put them in this list because I mean, they were the, they were the clear favorite to win state in D3. And, you know, I mean, that stinks to see their season get cut that short, but it'll be interesting to see what opportunities that leads to in division three. So do y'all have any idea what might've caused that for Pantigo or just probably just a random freak bad game? It was close. It was a close game. It was 14-13. So, I obviously, yeah. whatever happened, uh, it could have been a def- – it looks like a defensive battle from the scoreline. But, you know, what it could have been, I mean, we could, there could have been a lot of offensive struggles for both teams. There could have been a lot of defensive greatness for both teams. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, you just look at training Christian Lubbock and you see the fact that they, they put in the extra effort to win this game, and I think that's what you can take from it at this point, right? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think you're absolutely right on that. And I'm going to have to add one more to the letdowns list of my alma mater, Grace Community School, as much as it pains me. uh, I really, I picked Grace to go to the final four this year. I thought that, um, I thought they'd take care of business and get it done. It's one of the more talented teams and deeper teams I've seen in a while. And, you know, they just, they got stopped short against uh, Fort Worth Christian, a team that is much better than I realized um, going into that game so you know it stinks to see for all these teams to see their seasons get cut that short but I'm sure almost all of these teams um, there's good tradition and culture at so I'm sure they'll have it turned back around in no time but if that's all we're going to hit on with that we actually move into some to some news and some future probabilities and what we're going to cover here mostly revolves around Trinity Christian Cedar Hill and their future. Um, they were, um, how do I say, politely asked to leave TAPS last year after uh, just, dare I say, years of turmoil. I mean, it was just constant. They were constantly at odds with TAPS. There was a lot of things about uh, sketchy recruiting, even though everyone knows recruiting goes on everywhere in TAPS, except Trinity really didn't try to hide it. And they made it pretty easy for TAPS to um, – throw some other charges at them and um, ask them to leave, even though they'll tell you that they left on their own, but they actually just declared themselves national champions. And do y'all offhand remember uh, what team that they played to claim the national championship? I have no idea. I can, yeah, well, Google, I it. I can Google it right here, but um, it probably, looks like 
Go on. I was, just, I was gonna say they're probably just playing some national schedule that they think is you know well, that was, uh, <laughs> is yeah. running things when I don't even know what national schedule they're even playing. But well, that was that was the thing I remember like watching them this year, just you know like keeping up with it. Like they played everyone in a lot of different states, and most of the time they didn't do well. And I I think it was interesting because you see, I mean yes, taps. It you know it's not like Duncanville, it's not Desoto, it's not these big time schools. I don't know why. Like I remember they played Desoto this year and got Molly Watts, sixty-two like, to twenty-nine. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I I don't know what they expected this team to be. Like they had, they didn't have this year. They didn't have a Maurice Washington. They didn't have a Quaylen Jones. They didn't have a Lewis Sign. They didn't have those elite top players on this team. Shadur is a great player. Don't get me wrong. I remember playing him against when he was a freshman and he was dominant and he's dominant now. And I'm excited to see what he's doing, but it's, it's just not. And I think it was, they, they got confident after being a three, three times, like what is it? Three P in division two. And I think it, it, with all that, you know, going on with that school, it was, it's a little rough and I, you always hate it because regents, I've always felt bad for regents because regents went there for three straight years against, them again in the state championships and lost three straight years and they just and, you knew know, they were gonna get whacked i mean you right. knew they knew it you see you say that for regions i see the exact same thing for dallas christian i was i see the that. exact True. same thing for dallas christian it's one game before but at the same time dallas christian goes through the same thing each year they go and reload like we said earlier in the podcast and i think that <laughs> they had to go play trading chris cedar hill and it was like like this is not even fair. They run their district. They run the whole thing. They make it all the way to the, to the um uh you know semifinals, and they have to go play uh, Trinity Christian. It's like oh gosh. I genuinely blame Trinity for this Dallas Christian team because I think, quite frankly, Trinity has made a monster out of Dallas Christian. Um, I just they're playing they're playing angry and they're playing incredibly aggressive, like even more so than I've seen in the past. And I really just think it's from years of them taking abuse from Trinity. And now they're just steamrolling everyone because of that. But yeah, I really see, here's the thing that makes no sense to me about this national championship claim. They went eight and three. Okay. They lost to MRA out of Madison. They lost to Bryant out of Arkansas and they lost to DeSoto, which DeSoto is a really good team, but DeSoto beat the dog out of them. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what national championship they're claiming. They beat Air Eagles Academy, who has only played one game on the season, and that one game was the national championship. And I did some more digging, and Air Eagles Academy isn't even – it's not a school. It's like, it's like an elite seven-on-seven seven team. So these kids don't even, like, play together or have chemistry or anything. They just threw a bunch of kids together for Trinity to play for a national championship. So I'm not really sure – uh, more on that, the championship trophy had TCAL on it, which is the Texas Christian Athletic League, which Trinity doesn't play in, and neither does Air Eagles Academy. I don't know. The whole thing doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. You could probably just say I'm salty because Trinity beat me like a dog every year that I played oh, them. Yeah. Also, please, uh, please don't ever bring up Maurice Washington around me again. I'm going to have a seizure. It just brings back horrible <laughs> memories. Oh, yeah, God. I get that. But, I mean, regardless, it just – that's – in terms of um, their future, I don't know what's going to happen because, obviously, I mean, the reason that Trinity has been dominant the past four years is because Dion came in. 
before Dion, Trinity was a pretty good basketball school, terrible at football. Anyone, they were athletic, but anyone that had a half decent coaching and scheme could beat them by 30. And then, you know, my junior year, Dion came in and they went on this four year tear of literally just weed whacking everyone they played. But it'll be interesting. Obviously, they played a rogue schedule this year. It'll be interesting to see if any of that talent remains at Trinity Christian or if they all just disperse out and Trinity Christian kind of crumbles on itself because let's be real that I don't know if that school survives without Dion at this point but what do y'all think is going to happen to Trinity moving forward um I think Trinity goes in the can if I'm being honest I I, I want to say they have a good future rolling down the line a little bit but at the same time like I just I, I don't know I think they won't get recruits now that Dion's gone. If I'm being honest, I don't think I think that Dion since Dion's gone, they're gonna stop getting recruits and this team will basically go away. Yeah, I mean I mean there there is definitely people that disagree with me on this, and I've had a conversation with multiple people about this, but I think overall, um, this team and this uh, I'm I'm gonna say this too the AD at that at that program and, and how they run that school. I think that team is in that whole program is just going to go to the ground, especially since now that they have basically ruined all ties with anybody and everybody in the, in the state of Texas. UIL is not going to want them. TAPS is not going to want them. SBC is not going to want them. They're now going to have to play a national schedule forever. And so it's like, I don't even know, but. It's just, it's going to be interesting because I think like with Dion leaving, like his son leaving a lot of those 22 going to be juniors right now or what are they going to do are they really going to stay there i mean isn't and i believe remembering this is the coaching staff is all like they're volunteers just for the kids so and they do it because of dion's there so i mean is dion really going to are those guys going to stay there all those coaches going to stay there for more and more years to keep that school going i mean maybe i mean they better hope like they don't get paid I think they're volunteers. If I'm wrong and someone quotes me on that, then be my guest. But I believe, remember a long time ago, I believe they're all volunteers just helping out, helping with the kids. So, I mean, that's maybe uh, not. I know Dion's an assistant. I don't think, I think they're, um, I think their head coach's name is Andre Hart or something along those lines. I think he's, I think he's actually like on staff. I'm not sure about the volunteer uh, aspect of everything, but We'll see. Yeah, long story short, I think we can all agree that uh, Trinity's not going to be what Trinity has been in years past once Dion leaves. I think that's a pretty uh, well-accepted notion. Well, the fall. Yeah. The fall of Trinity <laughs> Christian. I mean, basically, you sold your soul to uh, to have four years of dominance, and now the four years are up, and uh, the devil is back for his pay. So exactly. we'll see how that ends up. But we are now going to move into our final segment, which is pick em. Uh, We're going to go through D1 through D4 and highlight what games we think are interesting. And we're all going to give a little bit of commentary, some brief commentary, because we've been going for a minute now, but commentary nonetheless, and who we think is going to win these games. So Division One, we have Fort Worth All Saints matching up against Nolan. Walker, I'll let you take this one here. So (sighs) Battle of Fort Worth, where I'm from, you know, those two, it's funny because they're probably the best two schools in the Fort Worth area. Like, you can say what about like pro- there's not the, a lot of great Houston, like you know Houston. There's a lot of great public schools in Houston. There's not that many great public schools in Fort Worth. And basically, I would say Fort Worth All Saints and Nolan could basically beat anybody in this in Fort Worth. And you can see it because all their talent goes to those two schools. And you know Nolan, led by Coach Bowden, you know 
They're read by four star Mika Megwa, uh, three star Jadan Burr, who's going to LA Tech, three star Vincent Page, three star Jimmy Taylor, who's going to Cornell. Uh, and then the 2023s of Sergio Snyder and Caleb James, the defensive lineman, and Noah Ponce, also the center for them. The, the, it's loaded, and I can go down the list of all the Division One talent on that Nolan roster. It, it's insane. And they've always struggled in the past years with, you know, getting through the playoffs. And I think it, it, this team is so talented, it's, it, it's almost impossible not to go through. And it's don't get me wrong, like All Saints is just as good. You know, five star number one player in Texas, Tommy Brockemeyer. He's going to Bama. The kid is absolutely insane. Any school in the nation would want him. You know, and you also have his brother, James Brockemeyer, the center, also going to Bama. You know, you also have three star quarterback, Camp Faye, going to Michigan State. You have three star running back, Monte Dawson, going to SMU. And, you know, uh, Tony Lacey, the 20 senior wide receiver, he's also been making plays for them. And you can go down the list as well. But all the talent on that roster, you know, it's 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 two battles. But I mean, it's Nolan. Nolan's just too talented, too well coached. I mean, all Saints has been great for the past, but I, I think Nolan's just too is going to overpower him. And you saw in the when they played in the season forty one twenty seven win for Nolan. I think that's going to be probably the same around there. You know, all Saints all Saints may, has been playing great, and you know might keep it closer, but. I got I got Nolan in this one. I think Nolan's gonna I think Nolan's winning it all this year. So that's my pick. So Yeah, no, I think that's super good analysis. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think Nolan's gonna win. Uh just strictly off what I said earlier. Um, I think the defense is too powerful for any a lot of other teams. And I said earlier how you know the later run and how they're gonna how they're gonna run into teams later in the in the season that are uh, later in the playoffs that are gonna give them um you know, give them a run with their offenses, with their powerful offenses. But I think overall, when you have a defense that can play that well already against a team like, uh, like what's it called, like, uh, um, uh, like JP two, I honestly think that overall, uh, their their offense will run it up at the same time their defense is doing the exact same thing. And I think that's a scary part of this Nolan Catholic team that you're going to have to look at once you start playing them in later rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to have to say, give me Nolan here as well. You know, I'm aware that they've had trouble in the playoff in years past and trouble finishing off teams. However, this team is simply too talented. And I'm aware of how good All Saints is as well. Nolan's on a different level this year. I think I think they're the favorites right now to win state. And I don't see I don't see any clear option to upset them as of now. Outside of Parrish, Parrish could be interesting. But yeah. Speaking of Parrish, we're now going to move on into Parrish versus Midland. So, Walker, how about you tell us about that? Okay, so, Par- you know, Midland's, like I was saying earlier, what was interesting when Parrish made the drive to Midland earlier in the year, Parrish barely won on a last-second touchdown to win 34-32. So, it's it, when Midland's playing their game, they can, they can play with anyone. You can see that's why they've made it to the uh, semis this year. And then, you know, Parrish is led by, you know, Preston Stone, who's having a great year. You know, they have a lot of talent on that team. And Midland's having a lot of underrated talent. You know, uh, it's, it's insane. You know, led by quarterback River Rodriguez. He, he's been on a roll this year. And I think both those teams, it's going to be an interesting matchup because when they played in the season, it was close. But I, I think Parrish is just too talented. And I think, I think I'm going to give Parrish the win. I don't know. I think it's going to be close again, but I think Parrish is going to win this year. Yeah, for sure. Ryan? 
I think Paris, um, I think, like I said earlier about Midland, I said Midland's always been a dog forever, and Midland will be a dog for a long time to come if the same, you know, energy keeps coming out of them. But if I'm being honest, Paris, Paris is just, like, their offense is, is too too powerful, too quick, and I feel like overall with the way that they play, um, you know, with a guy like Preston Stone as your quarterback with, uh, with options on the offense, like Blake Youngblood and Christian Benson. I mean, you're going to be looking at a hard team to stop on the, on the, you know, defensively, you're going to look at a hard team to stop a hard offense to stop. So I think it's just going to be a little bit too hard for Midland to stop that. And I think Parrish will like close game, like y'all said, but I think, I think uh, Parrish is going to win. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I sound like a broken record, but you've got to give credit to this Midland team. They haven't been D1 very long, and they're already looking like solid contenders. However, I don't think they can sneak up on Parrish here, and that's why I'm going to have to complete the sweep and pick Parrish as well. But moving on, that's all what we're going to cover for Division One. And now we look at Division Two, where we have Fort Worth Christian matching up against Fort Worth Southwest, Southwest Christian. Good Lord. Uh, Walker, I know, uh, I know you'll have some interest in this game. So what do you think? I think it's funny that no one really can like, – Fort Worth Southwest Christian, just, it rolls off the tongue for me. But for a lot of other people, it's so bad to say. <laughs> no, oh, my gosh. No, funny <laughs> enough. I was recording for something else uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was really congested, and I kept having to try to say Fort Worth Southwest Christian, and it was a nightmare. I guess, I, I guess I'm lucky that I can say it easily because I grew up like that. But, I mean, okay, so it's, it's, this is a big-time matchup for SES. They, in the past, I would say, as long as I was there, we were never even close to the regionals that we are right now. The, and it's insane. SES won their in the, the in their season against Fort Worth Christian. They won it by six, 14 to eight. I think it's going to be a close game again. Fort Worth Christian has been on a roll. They've been dominant for every year they've I've played them. You know, won it, and I believe that my freshman year they won state champion, the cha- championship. Sorry, and I think you you got to give them credit. You know, Carson Cross has been a great. Jackson Coburn has been great as well. You know, they have the three-star Jamal Marshall on defense for them and also wide receiver. You know, they, they've they've just been doing you, – you just got to respect it. But I think – I don't – I don't. it's going to be tough because I love my boys. You know, Corey Harris, Tyson Flowers, uh, the, the senior Darian Gibson, and also Alex Welch. I think those guys, they're talented guys. I think Corey Harris is one of the most underrated guys in this division too. I think he's an FCS running back after watching him a couple of weeks back. Like he, the kid's a stud. And I think if fourth Southwest Christian can dominate the run game, I think they win it. But I mean, it, it depends. And if they can, that defense can hold fourth Christian. I, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game for both of them. And I, I might want to go see it Saturday. I'm going to see if I can drive up there and go watch them. But I mean, I'm going to give it close. I think I'm going to give it to my boys. I think they're going to learn from their mistakes in the first game. And I think they're going to overcome those. I think they're going to win it again and go into the semifinals. So, Yeah, those are solid points. Ryan, what do you think? Um, so, I only, so I, like I said, I only went to two legacy games this year. And uh, one of the games I went to was Fort Worth Southwest, where it was the homecoming game. And legacy actually beat Fort Worth Southwest Christian. Um, and so – what I have to say about this is, although I haven't seen Fort Worth play in person, I know that our team, Lacey, struggle with them. And just trying to give a little context to myself, because I'm, I really am just trying to understand 
fully without watching without watching Fort Worth Christian play, how good of a team they are. And after looking at the stat line and with how they played against Legacy, and just because I know the Legacy team, I can understand that, you know, it takes it takes it, when 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 our team beats other teams, that kind of showed me that, oh yeah, like, well, that Southwest team was a good team, but you know, Legacy just got the hand of them in that game. Overall, if I'm gonna be completely honest, I think Fort Worth Christian is just a really solid team. And I think they showed that and at least in their game against Grace, but if not in their game against us when we when we played them. And overall, I think Fort Worth Christian with a guy like Carson Cross, who overall already shows that he can be effective with, you know, his three hundred yards in this game against um, Grace. I think that's something that I, you're going to have to look out for in this um, Fort Worth domination matchup is what I'm going to call it right there. Yeah, no, that's solid. Um, personally, I'm going to have to side with Fort Worth Christian here. I know Southwest beat them 14 to eight earlier, but this is a team, like I said, that is completely different from when they started back in week one and week two, and they've gotten much better as time has gone on. You know, I made the mistake of uh, verbally betting against them last week, and trust me, that won't be happening again. I think it's going to be a close game regardless. It's like you said, it's going to depend a lot on how Southwest establishes that running game and if they can get that going and keep Fort Worth's offense off the field. But I think the game's going to be close. I think it's within a touchdown either way, but I'm going to have to go on the record as saying I'm betting Fort Worth here. But moving on, we have Dallas Christian versus Grapevine Faith. Um, some key players, DC 2021 running back Sean Coleman. The only offer I could find on him was from East Texas Baptist University. And if there somehow are any college coaches listening to this, offer the kid, pick him up. He is a monster I think he's averaging like 15 yards a carry on the season, if not a little more. Um, he just – he's steamrolling everyone he plays. And I think he would make a very, very fine addition to whatever school that he went to. Um, another key player is defensive lineman Jaden Jones. The man is gigantic and looks like he should be playing the post in basketball and has very good footwork and is very solid in his own right. And for Grapevine Faith, um, you're looking at 2021 running back Mark Saunders, who I haven't seen a lot about. But Walker, what do you think? Um, what do you think regarding this game? I, I mean, it, it's going to be. I, I, if I'm being honest, I think DC rolls. I think it's just how that is. But I mean, senior running back Mark Saunders has been like since I was playing against him, he's been a stud every year, and he's been the focal point of the offense, even when Deuce Hogan was there. I mean, he was one of the leader, leading rushers in, in the DFW area for a long time, for a couple, couple years. And I remember he just got offered by Nichols State the, like a while back. So, I mean, you, you got to respect the kid, and, you know, he's going to play his tail off. And I'm excited to watch him play, even if it might be his last game, because I think, I think D.C. is going to just – yeah, I'm going to yeah, give no. it to D.C. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Ryan, you've had some firsthand experience with DC in the last couple of days. So what do you think is going to happen in this game? Yeah, uh, I would just like to say uh, off rip that I think Sean Coleman, like you just said, if you if if you want to get a chance to go watch Sean Coleman play in person, you will realize why this kid deserves more offers than he has. Um if not, if East if East uh, Texas Baptist is the only one to get this guy, they are lucky. They are lucky, and they have just snagged one of the greatest guys I've seen play out of this Dallas Christian team. Uh, but I will say, overall, um, Dallas Christian is is just 
they're they're unstoppable in their own aspect. I feel like Dallas Christian has shown me this past week that no matter who plays them, no matter how how hard they play them, um, DC will always just be dominant with their offense, no matter what. And I feel like DC's offense is something that's you just you know it's it's literally is like it's like a, a freight train that won't stop moving toward you, and it won't stop moving toward you until it's fully past you and it's fully ran you over. And I think that's something that you'll start to realize as soon as you get to in my opinion, the championship game where DC will um, come across its first like tough matchup, in my opinion. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, give me DC by how many points you want to write down. Uh, I've watched them all year and I don't think, no, I'll say this. No one's getting within two touchdowns of them throughout state, you know, no disrespect to grapevine, but Dallas Christian's on another level and that's just plain and simple. Uh, they've got too many athletes. I think their twos could beat most ones in the state regardless. So, you know, I just – DC's just on a different playing field than everyone else this year, and that's a solid truth. And I want to say about uh, Sean Coleman, because I think he does deserve more love. I actually had the chance to meet him at an A&M game um, a few weeks ago. Really, really nice, soft-spoken kid. I mean, perfect on and off the field. Trust me. If you know anyone or tied into anything, recruit the kid. I promise you he'll make your program happy. But moving into our next game, we see Regents taking on Fort Bend. Uh, guys, y'all have anything that y'all think is going to happen here? We've already touched on this game a little bit before. I would like to say offer it for the Regents-Fort Bend game. I I think you look at this game and you go – you go. I, actually, I'm, I'm going to say it's fully – I think there are just a set of teams that run the South and that's just how it is in, in, in taps and um, taps, what's called in taps D2 in, in the North. There are these, these teams that play against each other every year that compete with each other and they play. And it's always kind of a rack. Who's going to be in the playoffs each year, but in the South, it's just always determined. There's always these, 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 you know, three or four teams that run the entire South and the rest of the teams get steamrolled. You look at regions, how they play this year. They have only one game on the, on the season that they have let a team score more than eight points. I, I like the one team that they owe is a Geneva. Is that you say it? Geneva, 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 they let it score 28 and Geneva is a good team, but the rest of the teams, no one got more than eight. And I think overall going into this Fort Bend game, I would love to see how this plays out, but Regents is just so dang good at, you know, at football. And I think overall um, Regents just comes out with this one just because of how great of a team they are and how great of a team they play as. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, Fort Bend is a solid team, and I've actually picked them as a dark horse to make the Final Four. However, like you said, this Regents team is the favorite out of the South region. Honestly, give me Regents and 10 points. I mean, I think I think they win this game, and I think they make it all the way to the championship against D.C. So, Walker, you have any thoughts? I, I agree with both of you all. I think Regents is going to win outright. But I'm excited to go see it because I, I think I'm going to go see it Friday. So I'm really excited to go see them and see how good Remington Strickland is because I want to see how big that monster is. So I'm excited. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, in our last game out of D2, we have Houston Second Baptist versus St. Michael's. And I'll go first. Second Baptist, in my opinion, is the only other team capable of challenging uh, Austin Regents. And, you know, you look at um, their dominance this year in their district. And I, like I said, I think it's one and two. I think it's Austin Regents and Houston Second Baptist out of the South. 
So, you know, no disrespect to St. Michael's, but accept, uh, expect Second Baptist to handle them with relative ease here. But, you know, do you all think any differently? What do you all think? I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. But I will say, this, this is what I'm talking about when I say there's three to four teams that are out, 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 of, this, out of this South region. It's, it's Regents, it's Fort Bend, and it's, it's St. Michael's and Second Baptist. Those are the four teams right there that you, that you got to get in your head, right? Well, St. Michael's and Second Baptist have not lost since September. It is currently December 2nd. They have not lost since September. And it is so crazy to see. Obviously, I think Second Baptist is going to get the win. I think Second Baptist is a team that's going to compete with Regents. Um, but overall, it is cool to see how there is just these four teams that run the South. And I obviously think it's so cool that these two teams have not lost. But they both lost. I think they both lost the same weekend back in September, and they have not lost since. So, No, exactly. Walker, yeah. were you going to say anything? I mean, no. I think Second Baptist is going to win this game. I mean, it, it's going to be a good game. I'm ex- I think it would be cool to watch and look into, but I think I think, Reg- I think Houston Baptist is just going to win it. So, Yeah, I agree. And uh, we have some D3 and D4 games to close out. Uh, we're running out of time here, so I'm just going to read off the game and give my pick. And if either of y'all have a pick or an opinion, just stop me before I move on. Right. So the first game we look at out of D3 is Colleyville Covenant versus Arlington Grace Prep. I'm going to pick Grace Prep here. They played a tougher schedule, and I think they get it done against Arlington. Next, we have Fort Worth Lake County versus Lubbock Trinity. I'm going to take Fort Worth Lake County here. Uh, they won the previous matchup against Lubbock Trinity, and like I said, I think they get it done again in the playoffs. Uh, moving on. We have San Antonio Holy Cross versus the Woodlands Legacy Prep. Uh, I'm going to pick Holy Cross. I think it's a coin flip here. And these are two very good teams for TAPS Division Three. Uh, both have beaten um, higher-level opponents in Division Two, And I think both of these teams will make the playoffs in Division Two. So I think that's a very good matchup. And if you're going to be around where that game's being played, I highly suggest you go watch because I think that'll be one of the better playoff games you see out of D3 this year. And finally, we have Cypress Christian versus Bay Area Christian. Give me Cypress Christian in this game. You know, like I mentioned, I watched them play Grace. They're very scrappy. They're very well coached. And they even took Grace to the wire. So I think they beat Bay Area Christian here relatively handily. Um, out of D4, we see Waco Riker versus First Baptist Academy. Uh, give me Riker here. Riker won the original, the original matchup 48 to 28. And they have a couple of D1 FCS players that can make a difference. And I think, I think FBA is a good team. They're coached by Jason Lavorn. Um, he's a really good guy. However, I think Riker ends First Baptist season here. And the last game we will cover is Shiner St. Paul versus Tomball Rose Christian. Uh, give me St. Paul here. They won the original, or they won their original matchup. And looking at common opponents, I think they hold the advantage. So y'all have any specific thoughts throughout that or? Um, only thing I'd say is just the first thing you said. Uh, I do think Colleyville Covenant is a really good team. I think Colleyville Covenant is a team that has been good for uh, a good amount of time. And uh, I think, I think just because of how, how they played this past week, I think they'll win. Um, I will go against you on the second one too. Uh, I think, I think uh, Trinity, Trinity Christian Lubbock will beat uh, Fort Worth Lake County only because of just the upset that they had um, this past week. And I think if, if they can beat a team like uh, the, what's called, um, be a team like uh, Pentago, 
then I think they could beat other teams um, throughout the time. But everything else, I totally agree with you. I think everything else is um, true. Yeah, for me, I think the only one I'd go against is Colleyville. I think Colleyville is going to win against Grace Prep. I love playing against Grace Prep when I was in high school, but I, I think Colleyville is just too dominant. And I think, I think that's going to be the only one that's going to be changed for me. So. Yeah, no, we'll see. It'll be really interesting. Um, I think that we have a really good slate uh, moving into this weekend. And trust me, if, you, if you're on the fence, you don't have anything to do, and you're going to be by one of these games happening, go out and watch. Show the kids some love. But that actually is all the material we have to cover for this week. Um, if you're curious, if you have any takes of your own or you'd like to contact us, I think that we did just make a social media. Walker, you want to plug that? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you can use Texas Taps guy and, you know, that's the main guy. Probably we can go, we can watch through, but we're going to be able to put this, I believe on, we're going to put this uh, podcast on YouTube. And I believe we're also going to put it on SoundCloud, you know, maybe down the line, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, but, you know, that's farther down the road. But I mean, we're excited to do this. And I think this is going to be one, one step in the right direction of things we can do a lot more. So, I mean, I'm excited for this. I know they are. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a great step ahead to, promote these kids that are playing the trail off every year. So, I mean, I'm happy to do this. So. Exactly. Ryan, any closing comments? No, I would just say uh, we all, we all have our face cams on in a zoom call right now. So go check, go check the YouTube video out with uh, all of our faces. Um, I think you'll be glad to see um, just, you know, get a, get a glimpse of what we look like, um, you know, try to get to know us. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be, uh, a cool ride to see what we can do, at least for the rest of the playoffs. And uh, I think it will be um, good to get these guys the coverage that they deserve. I mean, obviously, all four of us went to the D2 high schools that we said we went to. And I think we can all say without a doubt, as we were some we, – we played in the athletic programs as well. We can all say that there are guys that we played against and that we played with that deserve more recognition. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I also I want to give a big thank you to Texas private school football guy for kind of organizing all of this. You know, he just he heard another podcast of mine and put me in a group message with Walker and Ryan. And this is how all this got started. So big thank you to him. Uh, like they mentioned, please, if you're listening on SoundCloud, please follow us there. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to that channel. And we're going to try to produce more content and pump it out and give y'all as much information on all this as y'all can. I know Walker and Ryan both know a lot about um, Texas private school football as well. So I hope that we make a show that can be very informative to y'all. But um, as that's all the time we have, I'd like to thank y'all for listening, and we will see y'all in the next episode. Peace.